as they're leaving the stage, I want you to think about what this next year actually holds for you. What was the, in your mind, the thing that last year stood out above everything else? We had some uh, guests at our house last night. Um, and I like to have fun. You know me, I'm, I'm great crazy as could be. But it was all said and done, the best part of the whole evening is just talking about Jesus and what God does. And every, everyone in the room that is a child of God knows that what I'm saying is true. That when you look back over the past year, the things that would stand out were the things that were somehow connected to how God was working in your life, in your marriage, with your kids, in your home, and in our nation. Last year was a powerful year in this respect, that we have a new president who I believe at least desires to bring things back around. He's, he's not the Messiah, there's no way. But he at least desires to have people working with him that want to see our nation turned around because it's a mess. It is a huge, huge mess. I'm going to flip microphones. I'm going to start a new series today. And the other pastors will be involved in speaking in this series too. And it's, it's going to be this subject. What kind of person does God use? Who, who is God in the business of using? And what should we learn? And so um, as the new year starts, we got notification from our bank, Lake Trust, that our bank would be closing on January 6th so that we should move any funds we have to a different bank. So we've been there for quite a while. But I always notice when I go in there that it's, it's a pretty somber place. It's a, you know the tellers and they know your name and stuff, but there's still something that's not quite right. You can sense it. So as I uh, took some funds out and moved them over to Lake Michigan Credit Union where a lot of people in our church work, where Ryan is a manager at another Lake Michigan and Dirk and, and Kelsey and Alex all work in the one right there in Jenison. So I went in there. It's a busy, busy place. A lot of younger families and busy. Lots of people standing in line. And I was thinking to myself, why does one bank have to close a branch and another is just booming and new people are coming all the time. And I'm, I'm standing there because my brain is wired in this direction of, of marketing and, and, and success and how to prosper in life and how to motivate our church to see that some churches make it and some don't. While this last year, a lot of churches closed. There's about 1,500 churches every uh, year that are closing their doors and not enough pastors coming in and, and certainly getting discouraged thinking why does one church make it and one doesn't why does one bank make it and another bank doesn't it's because of something in fact Kelsey was the one that helped me and I asked her why do you think your bank makes it and the bank that I was at is not making it there's just high energy there I think there's hope and there's there's this dream of being a successful bank, and everybody's on their toes all the time. I was reading an illustration that I thought was so appropriate for this whole beginning of a new series. It was called, How Runners Finish Strong. Because as I come to the end of my life in the next several years, I'm wondering back and thinking back over my life, what could I say with success, and what do I see as failures, and what did I learn along the path that I can pass on to other people 
specifically the people that are in this church that I'm the shepherd to. And I read this illustration about running with I thought was interesting. The coaching staff of a high school cross-country running team got together for dinner after winning its second state championship in two years. The program had been transformed in the previous five years from good, the top 20 in the state, to great, where they were con consistent contenders for the cha state championship. And, and um, one of the coaches actually said, I don't get it. He said, why are we so successful? We don't work any harder than other teams, and what, what we do is, is just so simple. Why does it work? He was referring to their simple strategy that made their team successful over other teams that were working equally as hard. And I'm thinking this is applying, this applies to life in general. Why do some people seem to rise above the fray? They, they rise above their circumstances and actually as they look at their life, they can see that things have happened in their life that would create successfulness where people that they grow up with in the same neighborhood they grew up with or people in their own family have not made it, ended up in divorce and misery and all kinds of addictive behaviors. And, and these coaches were talking about this and he said, the, the guy with the winning team says, we run best at the end is what he found out. They always run best at the end. And so what they did is they put a coach from their team or somebody that was helping coach at the end of the race in a three-mile race. They put him on the last mile, and he didn't clock their times. He just watched to see what happened, and he, he, he found some interesting things. He said um, they calculated not how fast the runners go, but how many competitors they passed at the end of the race from mile two to mile three. And, what, and it made them finish strong. He goes on to say the kids learned how to pace themselves and run with confidence. We run the best at the end. Hmm. I'm thinking to myself, at this stage of my life, I want to finish strong. I don't want to finish weak. I want to finish strong. It's how many competitors do you pass in the end? Because I'll guarantee you, they were feeling just as strong a burn as the guys that were, were winning. The only difference is some people give up and some people don't. Some people throw in the towel long before the last mile. Some people give up and some people don't. They are going to keep running no matter who is falling behind. And they're not looking back because the moment they look back, they're going to get passed by another runner. You know that? And you wonder, why, why did he turn out this way and he turned out that way and they were in the same family? I look at my own family, and I've told you this many times, my sister Debbie, who will listen to this message now, because she listens to all my messages, has had seven different husbands, and she always says to me, why did you turn out and the rest of us all didn't? Why did you stay with God and the rest of us didn't? And the answer is simple, just that. I stayed with God. I want to finish strong. Don't you? I want to finish strong. And it, it really doesn't matter what 
Barack Obama does or Mr. Trump does as the president. As long as I keep my eyes focused on the goal, finish strong. I don't like what's happening right now in the nation, and it can get you easily thrown off course by thinking, wow, this rogue president that we have, because I think he is a rogue. This e evil stuff that has transpired even in these last weeks is ridiculous. Offshore drilling stuff, but m more importantly than anything, is his whole thing with the United Nations and Israel is just unacceptable. They are our strongest ally in the Middle East, and he's trashing them. And I think it once again goes back to the fact that young people think he's the kind of maverick-type rogue that they want to be associated with because of, his, because of his skin color. And I think skin color has nothing to do with anything. Black, yellow, red, and white, it doesn't make any difference. What does matter is what you believe. What you believe, right? I happen to believe this. God is my Father. Jesus Christ, his Son, died for my sins, and his Holy Spirit lives inside of me to rule and reign. Yes, I believe in that. I have my creed. This is what I believe. I will not compromise. I will not tolerate those around me to say things that I do not agree with while they get by with this and, and twist it to make it look like culture is moving in this whole new direction that we need to get on the train and move with them. I say, phooey, I'm still going to preach the gospel whether people like it or not. If you don't like it, you don't have to go to church here. But I'll guarantee you something. I'll leave a legacy behind of young men who will preach the gospel and not compromise even if they have to go to jail. Even if they have to go to jail. Now, I have a lot I want to say today, but most of it's just from the scripture. Because as I see it, and I preach this on, on um, Christmas Eve, I see the lineage of Christ as being... a a gallery of rogues, of rebels, like me, like you. I'm listening to Fox News the other night, which I think is even turning more and more liberal all the time because of greed and money and, and wanting to be accepted. And there's a, they always have a liberal and a conservative guest, you know, on O'Reilly or, or whoever you're listening to. And it was a O'Reilly program being replaced by someone else. And he was talking to these two women about stuff. And this black woman who was a conservative, she talked about American family values. And the other girl interrupted her and said, I'm asking you what you think the family is. I'm asking you what you think the family is. How do you define family? They're trying to put us in the precarious position of having to defend what we believe because it's not socially acceptable to people like J-Lo and everybody else that young people are watching and idolizing. It's not acceptable to think that the family is still one man, one woman, one lifetime. That's not acceptable in a culture of divorce and hate and transsexualism and gay marriage and all the rest. And I don't care if anybody likes it or not. I just know this. God loves gays, but he hates that behavior. Yeah, God loves gays. God loves divorced people, but he hates divorce. I didn't say it. God says it. He didn't say it, and that was it. He continues to say it through us. We should uncompromisingly believe what the Bible says to be true, or we're in serious trouble. Mr. Trump is not the answer for America. God is returning to the values of the word of God.
And if I slip up, thank God he's a God of grace. He doesn't put me in this gallery of rogues that cannot be used or he wouldn't have used any of the others. Abraham, right? He wouldn't have used Abraham because Abraham lied. You know he did. He lied about his wife. He did it twice. He wouldn't have used Isaac who lied about I, uh, uh, Rebecca. He wouldn't have used Jacob who was a liar and a deceiver. He wouldn't have used Judah who slept with his daughter-in-law thinking she was a shrine prostitute. He wouldn't have used David who committed adultery and murder. He wouldn't have used Solomon who had hundreds of wives and all the money he could possibly want. He wouldn't have used Manasseh who was a man that was, his name was synonymous with evil. He was so wicked that he sacrificed the children of Judah to the pagan deities. And then there's a the lineage of women. He wouldn't have used Tamar, who slept with Judah. He wouldn't have used Rahab, who was a harlot. He wouldn't have used Ruth, who was a Moabitess. He, and he wouldn't have used Bathsheba, who committed adultery with David. Three are Gentiles. Three are involved in some form of sexual immorality. Two are involved in prostitution. One is an adulteress. And all four of them are in the line of Jesus Christ. This is what it says to me. You're in the room and you think it's too late, Pastor. I've already identified with this type of behavior. And God says, no, it's not too late. You can change. You put a stake in the ground right now. You put a stake in the ground today, the first day out of the new year, and say, by the grace of God, I will surrender to God right now so that this year is different, right? The best growth for Rock Church is not going to be to have a whole bunch of fish changing aquariums because we have a new building. The best growth is going to be this, your parents getting saved your children getting saved, your marriage getting back together after being separated, your finances changing because now you've learned to give is better to receive, your attitude changing and saying, I don't need dope, I need Jesus. Your, your desires changing from I should stay up and drink alcohol all night to I'm done with that, it's deceptive, dirty, and evil. J-Lo should not be anybody's idol, she's a pig. The whole program said pig in Las Vegas. Unfortunately, we are raising up young people who idolize sports stars and Hollywood. As far as I'm concerned, everybody said that they're leaving the country if Trump gets in. Adios, amigos. Have a nice time up in Canada. I'll pay for your way. Wouldn't you? Go do your own thing, you pigs. Nobody's saying what needs to be said because it's not political correctness. You're supposed to come to church and be bored to death. I'm not here to entertain you. I've got that news for you. I'm here because of the power of God to change a person's life and use evil people in his lineage. He redeems us, buys us back, and says, you can be different. You don't have to give up. You, aren't, you, are, you matter to God. I happen to love Rock Church. No matter what the enemy says, this is an awesome place. God's people are awesome people to be with, right? And I am reminded that the scripture says in 1 Corinthians, God did not choose, God, excuse me, God chose the foolish things of the world. Yeah, to shame all those Hollywood people and all the Hillary and Obama freaks that were so corrupt in the election, they figured they had it sewed up, and her party went without the star. All her wicked, deceitful Hollywood friends didn't get to show their naked bodies off to the world. Hollywood sucks. Seriously. And yet, look at how many people skipped church today because they thought it was all about celebrating the new year. This is the way to settle the new year. 
Yes, it is. This is the place to, settle, to celebrate the new year. We had guests at our house, and I, I, just, I can't stand just having fun because I'm crazy. I could have fun all night. I found this years ago. Alcohol does nothing for me. None of that garbage does anything for me. It makes me want to die. I'm talking to somebody in the room this morning. By the grace of God, you got up and came here, and you're ready to die. You feel hopeless. Most of us literally keep living in the shadows of the past instead of living in God's image for our future. The shadows of the past are always casting doom and gloom on the future. I say this to the staff. When we started in this theater three years and five months ago, and there's three weeks left here after this, three Sundays by the grace of God if the staff kills ourselves for the next three weeks, because literally it's, we're going to have to kill ourselves. We've been working there every day and every night, like 12 to 15 hours to get that place done. But if that's the case, I look at the staff that started together about 25 of us, we're down to about 15 of us because 10 had to go marry a wife, bury the dead, buy a piece of land, or find a place to lay their head. Those were the four reasons why the disciples all fell away from God. You always have an excuse. We were sitting down here right before service started watching people come in. I said, we'll be lucky to have 100 people in here today. And Danny said this to me, people always have an excuse. Oh, it's spring. It's time to be out in the nice spring weather. Oh, it's too cold today. Oh, we're on vacation. Oh, um, we were up late last night drinking, and we didn't want to come and have you smell alcohol on our breath. Oh, my big toe hurts. My bottom hurts. My top hurts. Everything hurts. There's always, you, you, you know what I'm saying, there's always an excuse. Yet last night you were wide awake enough to really celebrate and watch the ball fall down. You should have gotten your little body in bed so you could be here worshiping today because you get more out of this than you will out of that. I promise you that's the truth. Well, most of what I have to say today is just going to be said on the screen. So I'm going to read and you're going to follow. Samuel said to Saul, I'm the one the Lord who has sent, the Lord sent to anoint you king over the people of Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is the prophet Samuel talking. This is what the Lord Almighty says. He's talking to King Saul. So you got to follow me on this or you'll forget what I even preached about today. Samuel the prophet has been told you need to go talk to Saul because you're the one that told him he was going to be the king because everybody wants a king. Everyone wants a king. And so up to this point, they don't actually have kings, and, and God gave them Saul to be the king. They had prophets who told them what the future was. If I tried to tell you what the future is, there are so many people that try to erase me from their life so they don't have to listen anymore. What is the difference between one bank and another bank and one church and another church? It's this thing called the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is. Because a lot of churches are teaching the Bible, and a lot of churches are singing, but the Holy Spirit is not present. Samuel was anointed by God to go tell Saul that he was going to be the king, and now he's anointed by God to go tell him he's not going to be the king. This is what the Lord Almighty says, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites, Samuel's telling Saul, and totally destroy all that belongs to them. It's a big test. Do not spare them. Put to death all men, all women, 
all children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, donkeys. Kill everyone. Kill everything. Well, that's the meanest God in the entire world, people would say. No, God has a purpose in this. Yes, he does. He has a purpose. They're your enemy. You get to go kill them. They're evil. There's a reason why he told them to destroy everything. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Teleim, 200,000 foot soldiers, 200,000. And 10,000 from Judah, Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in a ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, I'm going to give you a break. Because you weren't as bad as the Amalekites. Go away, leave the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you along with them. Got to take a break there just for a second because there's so much in here, it's unbelievable. When you hang with the Amalekites and nasty people who want to drink and party, you're going to drink and party because you want to be accepted. When you hang with weed-smoking kids, young people, and you don't even know your kid is doing this, you're going to become them. When all you think about is your sports, you're going to become a sports freak. When all you think about is your greed and money, you're going to become a greedy person that gets waylaid. Yes, when all you think about is something that you have in your head, you won't be sitting in this room a year from now. I say that prophetically. Just like Samuel went to Saul, I'm telling you, some of you are on a dangerously slippery slope. And I can promise you this. You think it won't hurt you because you're addicted to your new fad, losing weight, working out, doing this thing, doing that thing. Everybody goes to Planet Fitness January 2nd. Everybody. Go in there tomorrow. You won't even be able to find a machine because everybody's determined they're going to lose that same 500 pounds they already lost 50 times ago. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? They already lost that 500 pounds. Funny thing, it has a way of coming back, doesn't it? That's the way with all addictive behaviors. There's only one way, only one for this to work. One way. What will make the difference between you and Joe Blow, between this bank and that bank, this church and that church? This pastor is going to stay focused on Jesus Christ. He is the only one speaking the truth. Lives will be changed, and we won't have to worry about growth or any of that. God will leave a generation of young people who actually want to serve God. I, I, I was so proud. I'll get back to this in a minute. I got 5,000 messages to preach in a very short time. So, so this week when, when Josiah and Caleb Denhoff are in the living room at my house and they're laying on the floor in the living room messing around and all of a sudden I hear Caleb say, well, Pastor Aaron told us that we should read several chapters of Scripture and then we should ask our parents what good things we could do to help. And I'm, I'm studying at the counter and I'm laughing. I think, go, Pastor Aaron. Way to go, Pastor Zach and Pastor Aaron, telling our young people that the blessing in life is going to come through the word of God. And I listened to those two young men read the scripture to each other with excitement. Chapters. God, God, thank you. Thank you for those who speak into our kids' lives. Generations will change if we're unashamed of the gospel. I say, J-Lo, you are going to hell by all the people you're deceiving into thinking. Flaunting your nude body around is happiness. No, it isn't. She's miserable. As is, as, excuse me, as are most Hollywood movie stars. Then he said to the Kenites, I'm going to give you a break. Go away. Leave the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites, and then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. 
He took a gag. No, uh-uh. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed. I just take one cookie. I'll just have one piece of that seven-layer chocolate cake. Really? I'll just take Agag, the wicked king. And I'll destroy everybody else. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the rest of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. Because one thing leads to another thing. One disobedient step leads to another disobedient step. And all of a sudden, you are in such disobedience that God doesn't even have any say in your life at all. You know this is true. That pizza box that you left over in the corner there with the stale pizza on turned into 50 pizza boxes because you didn't discipline yourself to pick up the McDonald's wrappers in your car. It's level now. When you get in, there's no place to put your legs. Passengers want to travel with you, and they literally have to shovel out the you-know-what. The Scripture says now, these they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. And Samuel was angry. He cried out to the Lord that night, all night long. God, please don't make me have to tell him this. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul was gone to Carmel. There he had set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. Hi, pastor. How are you doing today? You're such a great pastor. Hmm? It's like the couple that we met when we were, went on a cruise and we got off of the island, one of those ridiculous islands that are nothing but tourist traps that has nothing to sell you but fake jewelry and crap from hell. Bobbleheads and all kinds of stupid stuff that people get that says St. Says Thomas or whatever. And we met this couple on the cruise that actually sat at a table. He was a pastor and his wife, and they, they ate dinner with us every night, and, and they were Baptists. Well, I was a Baptist kid. Baptists don't smoke. They don't drink. They don't chew. They don't marry women that do. They don't do any of that stuff. They did just like, like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Baptist, you know. They don't do any of that stuff. And so we were on the island. I told you this before, and I looked down the sidewalk, and I see him coming with a cigarette hanging out. This pastor, cigarette hanging out of his mouth and a beer, a bottle of beer in his mouth. Oh my, oh, my gosh, Becky, we should, we should run. <laughs> we should run. They're going to be so embarrassed. And they don't even see us, and we walk right into him, and he goes, Oh, hi, Pastor. How you doing? His rear end was burning. <laughs> Fire started back there. I had to take smash it out. <laughs> okay, well, it wasn't quite that way, but it was a little embarrassed. I guarantee his rear end was burning. He was lying. I don't care if you smoke cigarettes. I'm telling you that. I don't care if you drink beer. I don't care if you got drunk last night. That's your business. Well, she's Baptist to the max. <laughs> Am I preaching or are you, honey? 
I'm taking him somewhere. Be patient. Because if you think that all I care about is whether you smoke and drink beer and all that kind of stuff, I personally don't think God cares. You're wrong. I think God wants you to realize that those things are not satisfying, and he is. And sometimes it takes addictive nature to get you to the point because there's somebody in the room this morning that's dealing with, I can't get through what I need to get through to change, so I've given up. Come on, before you even got to the last mile you've given up, don't look back. If you look back at the shadow, you're going to be overwhelmed and a runner is going to go by you. Stay focused on the goal. I have no doubt that Rock Church will be around for years. I won't be the pastor forever. There's three others. I won't be the pastor at that building the whole time. I'll have to retire. But God is at Rock Church. Many lives will change. So Samuel goes to Saul, I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Saul said, really? Really, really, really? But Samuel said, then if you carried out the Lord's instruction, how come your errand is burning from that cigarette? Huh? What then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears? What's the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. Oh, let's see. The soldiers are to blame. My wife gave me this. I didn't pick the apple. Kumquat or whatever it was. I didn't pick it. My wife gave it to me. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep. God, a God, we planned on giving it all to you. Yes, I got this bonus, and we were going to give it to the building fund. I, in fact, I told the pastor I was going to give it, but, but then we needed to buy this, and we needed to buy that, and we decided to go out for this big dinner. Oh, you're not going to like this, because if you're in the room and this is what you've done, you are in trouble. Yes, you are. Because God is not interested in your money. You listen to me on this closely. I don't need your money, and God doesn't need your money. God wants you to realize that you'll be way more blessed if everything you have belongs to him. He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. Oh, we could sing that when we were kids. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but I want to own it too. You lying, deceiving, hypocritical, phony. There you go. Right? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I said to three men at Bible study a couple years ago, there are three men in this room that I think could end up being millionaires, and I know how to make them millionaires. You give everything you have to God, and he will keep giving to you. You won't even know what to do with it. I am right about this. I am right. I know I'm right. You just want to hang on to those bleeding sheep. They're nothing but a pain in the neck, and God told you to give them up. You don't own what you have. God owns it. You don't own it. I don't own it. God will take it out on your life. I can promise you this is true. Saul answered, the soldiers did this. It's not my fault. We, but we totally destroyed all the wheat crap. Move on. Move on. Scripture. Fall asleep. Enough, Samuel said to, to Saul. Enough. Enough of your lying. This is what I have to say to the body of Christ, including myself. Stop lying. What kind of person does God use? If you don't remember one other thing today, remember this. A person who is honest. 
Because if you're lying, you're not just lying to one person. You're lying to yourself, you're lying to others, and you're lying to God. You have lost interest in him because you're in your new weight-losing mode. Yeah, in your new sports addiction mode, your new greed mode, your new food mode, your new I want to be popular mode for young people, and it never leads you to anywhere but disaster. Never. I'm too old not to know this. Enough, Samuel said, you're lying. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Uh Uh-oh. Tell me, Saul replied. I really don't want to hear, but tell me. Uh Uh-huh. Samuel said, although at one time you were humble and small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you a king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy the wicked people, the Amalekites, wage war against them until you have wiped them out. And why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce, why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? You should know better. Saul, you should know better. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. Do you see what you're doing this morning? I don't know who's in here that needs to hear this, but somebody is, and probably the people that don't, that really need it aren't here because that's a lot of times the way it works, but this is it. We honestly think we're doing our best, but you know that you promised God that. Huh? Yes? You promised God and you broke your promise because you are accustomed to being dishonest. Let it fall, God, on the person who needs to hear this this morning because nothing's going to happen in this church unless God is in it. Let it fall heavy on those who are lying to the Holy Spirit. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. Is that not the kind of stuff that we're used to today? I didn't have sex with that woman. Huh? I, I have turned over every single email, right? Everything. 33,000 emails were missing, and this woman gets by with it. We are living in an age of you think that your personal happiness and pleasure is all that matters to God. I got news for you. All that matters to God is you rising up and calling him blessed and worshiping him. That's all that matters. The soldiers took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God at Gilgal. Pastor, the reason I don't come to church is because I have custody of my kids this weekend, and so I want to spend time with them. You're going to lose your kids. I can make you a promise. I'm saying it because it's true. Whenever your family takes place over God and precedence over God, you'll lose your family. But when God is is predominant in your home and your kids hear you pray and they see you studying the scriptures, your kids are going to rise up and want to do that too. I got the answer to all marriage and family issues right there. Honor God. Be honest with God. Stop lying and acting like you're giving. There are many people who go to this church that do not even tithe. Shame on you. You will not be blessed, I will guarantee you. I will make you a solid promise. If you don't start tithing right now, that is a very minimal you should do you're going to have a year where the enemy plunders you. I'll give you that as a, I promise you. If you don't start honoring God by getting up out of the bed and going to church like the manner of some is, but doing your thing on Sunday instead, your kids will learn the same thing, and down the road you're going to be coming saying, we don't know what to do with our teen. Our marriage is falling apart. 
blah, 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 on and on and on and on and on and on and on. I give you this as a promise. When you honor God, you, I feel so happy today. I feel such peace today, I can't even possibly express it. I believe that God has blessed our church so much, I can't even put it into words. If you would have told me a year ago that we would have our own building at three years old, I would have said, you're nuts, it never happens. I've been in ministry 41 years. It takes 10 years before you get a building. We have a building that's almost finished. We have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do the things that we've done from funds that we've raised from people who cared enough to use their, use their money for God's purposes. You will be blessed. These guys will raise their hand. I would like to be a millionaire, Pastor. You're never going to be a millionaire until you realize that little is valuable to God. When you have little, that's when you give. You give out of what you don't have, not what you have. This is my, one, some of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I learned them year ago, but, uh, years ago. But Samuel replied, Samuel replied this to the king. Does the, door, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices of these sheep and these oxen and the stuff that you stole, 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 stole? You stole this from God. Does God delight in this crap that you've gotten ridiculously through deceit as he does as much in obeying God, simply obeying God? You know, when you're tempted to look at garbage, you say, obedience is way better than any tithe that I could give. I need to knock this off because God is not honored in my life. My lackadaisical, are you with me? My lackadaisical attitude about life is what's gotten me in so much unhappiness and trouble. I can, I can literally be the deliverer of somebody today. Get back to God and the joy will come back. Get back to God and your marriage will be stronger. Get back to God and your kids will come home. Yes, yes, yes. To obey is better than sacrificing things that belong to God anyway. We were in Viet, Vietnam years ago, and I've shared this many times, and I was sitting there with a man who was smoking the whole time. We were there drinking the whole time and went over to the bartender's house that night. He has a business in this town, and Ray was the other person sitting there, Ray Denhoff and myself and him. And he was going on about, I don't want to be a part of a church that... <laughs> We're having a prayer meeting, and he's blowing a smoke in my face. Um, I'm not going to be a part of a church that has coaches in the lobby. You're messed up, man. You drive these huge trucks that keep people awake at night because you get some kind of an ego trip from driving down the street with waking all of us up. And I love how Ray responded to it. He said, you give your money because it's God's. You have no say over where it goes. You just give it because God tells you to give. You don't own it anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but we had to build a huge block wall, stairwell at our building. We had to do this because either pay 100000 for an elevator or build the stairwell and put this massive staircase in it that we had to have a structural engineer design. It cost us 1800 bucks. We didn't have to put... And the stairwell itself, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even do the welding and all that stuff for $30,000. Ray Denhoff did it for nothing. I asked him, should we pay for the... The steel, the 4,000-some dollars of steel that you, you actually had to use. He said, no. 
Now, on top of it, I came in yesterday, and he had a $4,000 check on my desk. Now, he's not doing it because he wants me to talk about it. He's doing it because he realizes the more I give, the more God gives. The more I give, the more God gives. Now, you better determine right now, all of us in this room, how you want God to bless, because I want my kids, after I'm gone, to live for Jesus and to go to heaven. And the only way they're going to get to heaven is they walk by faith and believe that he is the son of God till the day they die like I'm going to. Otherwise, you are not going. Don't even tell me, some of you in this room, that you are going to heaven. Your, your, your ideas about God are freaky mystical. There's a ton of syncretism out there today. We're supposed to accept everybody. I told you I was listening to Fox News and the black lady was talking about family values. And the liberal sp sp speaks up and says... Define family. Define family. You're probably going to say family is one man and one woman. Yeah, we are. One man, one woman, one lifetime. Get it? Never stop saying it. I don't care. That doesn't mean I don't love divorced people. It's one man, one woman, one lifetime. If we stop saying that, the very foundation of our nation is crumbling at this point and will fall apart no matter who the president is. We need to go in there and overturn Roe versus Wade. I pray that he doesn't get so distracted with money that he doesn't realize the reason God put him in there was to put Supreme Court justices would stop us from murdering our children. I could say a lot of other things. Whew, I'd like to say a ton of stuff. But it's better to sacrifice. It's better, it's better to obey than to sacrifice the things you stole from God. You put in your token. Don't even bother to put in your $40 check if that's not a tithe. Are you listening? You are lying. You're deceitful. You're not the kind of person God will use. I don't say that to be mean. I say it to bless you. Because all you have to do is up your thing to a tithe right now, and you'll see God bless. Stop looking at that garbage right now, and you'll see God bless. Start praying in front of your children right now, and you'll see God bless. Start reading the Bible every day, and you'll see your whole perspective on your day change. Am I right about this? Because not everybody in here agrees and not everybody likes it. You think you're just trying to say this because you just want to be that old-fashioned Baptist preacher. Yeah, that gets me somewhere. Sure does. Makes our church the place everybody wants to go. I'm not done. I am. I haven't even looked at my notes. I don't need to, be, to look at them. Uh, <clears throat> hang on a second. Hang on. You can hang on, right? Great illustration. On May 6, 1954, Roger Bannister became the first man in history to run a mile in less than four minutes. Within two months, John, Lan John Landy e eclipsed the record by 1.4 seconds. On August 2, 1954, the two men the two met together for a historic race as they moved into the last lap Landy held the, the lead. It looked like he was going to win, but as he neared the finish line, he was haunted by the question, where in the world is Bannister? As he turned to look, Bannister took the lead. Landy later told a Time Magazine reporter, if I hadn't looked back, I would have won. Now, I think that one of the reasons why most of us are caught up with not finishing strong we spend way too much time looking at the mistakes we've made instead of looking at the future that God wants us to have when we're living in the shadow of Jesus. Mm -hmm. When we're living in the shadow of Jesus, this is what bothers me most about churches. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing right this very second. By the power of God, 
Leave it back there. Don't look back and cross the finish line strong. Put a stake in the ground this day, this very first day of the year. It's going to be different this year. We are not skipping church no matter what. We're going because we'll grow. We're going because we'll help other people grow. I'm going to drop that nasty habit of mine. I'm going to change my thinking. I'm going to change because I know that I'll be blessed if I do. You have to be willing to be corrected and instructed in righteousness or we're going to self-destruct. We as a nation will. We as individuals will. If you can't have anybody talking into your world, you are headed for self-destruction. There's another example in the scripture, and I, just, I don't have much time left. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. That's what I've done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. And Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned him, the rest, they, yes, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord took from his fear, excuse me, then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, the place has been called Valley of Achor ever since meaning valley of trouble. Wherever there's trouble, there's sin. Guarantee you. Wherever there is trouble, there is sin. You've committed sin. You wonder why trouble follows you. There's always sin on somebody's part because they're not willing to realize that, hey, I thought nobody saw. I stuffed it under my tent. Well, because, because of this, because of this secret sin, 36 soldiers out of the 3,000 that he sent in to fight, 36 men were killed. They should have gone in and taken the enemy easily. They thought they would. But 36 other people's lives were taken. And so God is, is, this is the way he operates. He is just in this respect. If you're affecting and hurting other people, he's going to deal with you. It's not pretty. He'd rather not, but he's going to. And then you contrast that to what happened in the New Testament. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. If you went back, i got to stop here. If you went back from Acts chapter 5 to Acts chapter 4, you're going to find this out real quickly. In the previous chapter, Barnabas did some great offering thing to God. He gave, and they saw this happen. They th saw how everybody thought Barnabas was such a great man for these great things that he was doing, and they were jealous. It would be like somebody in the church trying to keep up with, with Ray Denhoff giving this offering to the Lord, saying, I can now top him, man. I'll give 10000 and put it in the elevator. That's the way it is. That's not what God wants. He doesn't care if you have 10 cents. You only have 10 cents, but you give that to God because you believe in him. You people who are doing your token thing with God haphazardly, you're suffering. You're gently being disciplined now and prodded by something in your life, but you're not seeing it's God saying to you, I don't have your full attention. You are so caught up in your Real celebration about whatever it is you like to do. 
So Ananias and Sapphira, the counterpart to the Old Testament, Achan's sin, they sold this piece of property. Nothing wrong with this, selling the piece of property and profiting, but the Scripture says, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it all at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? It was yours. It's okay to own things, people. It's okay to have a nice house. You worked for it. You earned it. It's your money. What made you think of doing such a thing. Why did you want to be accepted so bad that you had to actually lie to the Holy Spirit and act like you gave this when you weren't giving it? Ooh, if that isn't the Baptist church and all the churches I know, it's look at how many people are coming to our church. God is blessing. Really? I don't think so. I don't think so. You don't understand that the measure of his blessing is not exactly how you think it is. His paradigm is different from your paradigm. His paradigm is this. Blessing is little as much when God's in it. Ooh, yeah, come on now. Little as much when your kids are living for God. Little as much when your marriage is strong. Little as much when you're not sick all the time. Little as much when you don't even know how you're going to pay your bill, but God somehow miraculously sends money out of nowhere, out of nowhere, out of nowhere. In our time before you came today with the praise team, all the guys were sitting in here, and I was asking what happened this last year, and Danny said, yeah, something just happened to us just a week ago. We had promised the Lord we were going to give to the building campaign $2,000, but we hadn't done it. We didn't know where it was going to come from. And suddenly in the mail, a check that we had no idea was coming came for $2,500. I've seen that happen a million times. Because little is much when you're obedient to God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Honesty always takes precedence over all this deceitful half-heartedness. You can't take some sheep and King Agag and not think God doesn't know about it. Who are you trying to fool? That your concept of God is very, very tiny and way too heavy on grace rather than holiness. You getting that? All our churches want to make it sound like you, you can have whatever you want today. God has blessed you. His success is waiting to fall on your head now. Children of God, beloved. If you sow a thousand, you'll reap ten thousand. You can have that beamer you've always dreamed of. Your wife will look beautiful tomorrow. She will be able to have the surgeries you've prayed she could have. You will be running with diamond rings on, five million dollar suits, wavy hair implants. I like to listen to a lot of preachers, and I think, you are messed up. Really? I like the wavy hair implant thing, but I'm not, nope, I'm not giving you a thousand bucks. <laughs> I'm dumb, but not that dumb. <laughs> See, you just have to ask yourself today, is it really okay if Samuel made me the king through prophesying? And he came to me and said, I'm no longer going to be the king because I didn't totally obey. I mean, I was obeying God, but I didn't 
totally obey? I just took King Agag, the wicked king, and, and a few thousand sheep and stuff because, you know, we wanted to offer them as sacrifices to you, Lord. We just love you, Jesus. It's like our whole culture. Churches are so dead they wouldn't know what hit if the Holy Spirit showed up. Let's just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What? I like to hear my little boy that's 12 years old on his own, not in his bedroom, trying to sneak, listen to crap music, in there singing at the top of his lungs the music we sing at church. My beloved. Yeah, come on. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? I want to see our kids trained up in this church that no matter who's preaching, no matter who the president is, they love God. And they're not going to give in to that J-Lo garbage. So Ananias and Sapphira lied because they wanted to keep up with the Ray Denhoff. Don't do it because Ray Denhoff did it. Ray Denhoff might go off the chart someday. I don't think his wife will let him, but... And not only did he want to do it, his wife was cheerleading the whole time. Go for it, Ray. Go for it, Ray. Go for it, Ray. Let's just... Let's surrender all to God. Oh, my gosh. God, you want us to realize today we are not being honest with you. We're not being honest. It says, didn't it belong to you anyway? Why did you have to pretend you gave it all? It was yours anyway. Now, he says, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. You lie to three people when you're dishonest. Yourself, others, and God. Yes, yes, yes. And look what happened. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard that. Then the same, then some young men came forward, wrapped his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you, you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to, to f- test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they'll carry you out also. i got to stop there. we got to stop the message. I want to say this. One thing that I've noticed is when a man has a woman who is godly standing behind him, he can stand tall. When you got a wife who's cheerleading for you, when you got a wife who's cheerleading for you instead of beating you down, you can stand tall. You can accomplish great things. Women of God, we offer Bible studies every week with that fanatic wife of mine. I'm not kidding. You stay home and use your lame excuses. I'm too busy. We got this function this weekend and this thing, or I'm hurt. I didn't like this. People of God, God is talking to you. Are you listening? Seriously. Seriously. He talks gently. Everything is in phases. He gives us opportunities of grace all the time, all the time, all the time. Yes, he does. I'm praying with my eyes open. God, show me. Show me your glory. I am not ashamed of you. I fail constantly, and you always tell me I'm the answer. Just obey me. Get back to me. Get back to me. God always says that to me. Don't look back at the shadows of the mistakes you've made. Look forward to what I want to do in your life this year. Yes, 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 yes. Before I went to bed, I always say, 
stuff to the staff, I love you and stuff, just never after 10.30. But, but <clears throat> last night I said Happy New Year to the staff, and Ed wrote me this thing about how God's changed his life and stuff. And Zach and Nick were writing about the hedonism in New York City and all the nudity and garbage and fooling themselves into thinking that last night was just incredible. The problem with last night is you wake up with a hangover today. You face the reality of this. There's only one thing that matters in life. His name is Jesus. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, we're going to sing one more song. Praise band's going to come. We haven't sung this for a long time, so if it sucks, sing anyway. It's awesome. Yes, you know what? If you've got a good woman standing behind you, we have a lot of awesome ladies in our church, wonderful people. Literally, I love being with the Rock Church people. I wish we could all just have a big party. That's going to happen. That's going to happen four weeks from tonight at the new building. Oh, I wish Connell's was around here so we could get their pizza. Their pizza's so good. <clears throat> But we're going to have a pizza party. We're going to have a celebration in the new church and just jump up and down because it's ours. We're going to have an hour of just praise music. It's not going to be me up there yapping the whole time. It's just going to be all the stuff because Jed expects us to sing every single song that's good on Sunday morning. He said, Pastor, you're surely going to do the Rock Won't Move, aren't you? And, I'm like, well, and you're going to do this one, aren't you? And you've got to do, you got to do My Beloved. You've got to do this. And I'm like, Jed, Jed, it's a morning service. I have to get up here and blab. Got to understand that. Is it a good thing to be a part of the Rock Church? Yeah. Now, we probably don't have any visitors here today, but we're going to have bukus. I was in Lowe's looking for some tile because we put the cabinets in the kitchen at the church. I was going to put some tile underneath the counter there and do it myself. And the lady that works there, she's way all the way down the end of the aisle. She goes, hello, hello, pastor. And I'm like, I don't know you. Who are you, are you another cougar? <clears throat> And sh sh honey, it's okay. <laughs> okay, so anyway, she yells down there and she said, did you buy the big joy sign? Because they had this great big display that said joy. It was like $1,600. And I said, no. And she goes, well, I know you're in here all the time and I know you like Christmas stuff. And, and they said at church bought it. And she said, by the way, I go by your church. I have never met this woman. I go by your new church every day. It looks amazing if you like black. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I like black. She goes, it just looks amazing. I, I, I just, I go by there every day. So January 29th, that's the day you get in there. I had to come and visit. I'm thinking, people are watching. <laughs>